Hi, I'm Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. And I think the core of that message, you're not alone, we love you, has to be at every level of how we respond to addicts, socially, politically, and individually. Good afternoon. I hope your week was a good one. Uh, mine was intense, it seems like. Lots of changes, lots of stuff happening with systemic change of Idaho. We're going to try to get to sharing some of that with you this morning. First of all, a little bit of an explanation about what systemic change of Idaho is. Systemic change of Idaho is um, a newly formed group that is attempting to foster a stronger dialogue between those of us who have been incarcerated and uh, the state of Idaho, for, for lack of a better kind of analogy. We're trying to educate people about what happens and what it's like to be on parole and to hopefully fix some of those issues. We want that to be heard certainly by the Idaho Department of Correction, and we want it to be heard by you as the general public. There's all sorts of issues out there that are difficult for us. One is when we apply for a job, we have to check felony and what that does for us. Housing is a major issue. And we're going to be talking about all those issues as we go forward. But this effort is funded through an organization uh, called Southwest um, Southwest uh, Saint Vincent de Paul, Society of St. Vincent de Paul over on Overland. It's actually funded by a group back east, but they are our funneling source for this. So there, we thank them for that involvement and that work. Upcoming with this group, and I want to save a date for you, is the 8th of February. On the 8th of February at 6 o'clock in St. Vincent de Paul's where the food pantry is there on Overland, we're going to have a meeting. We're calling that a listening forum, and this is the first time that we have actually reached out to larger groups of emails and people to have them involved. Response has been really positive so far. We're looking at uh, probably between 50 and 60, maybe 70 people who are interested in this issue. If you are interested in this issue, probably the best way at this point in time is to give us a call at area code 208 Four seven seven one zero zero six. I'm going to be talking about this in the next couple of weeks before this happens, but that's a save the date kind of thing. If this is an issue that's near and dear to your heart, you like working in the com- the community of people who are returning from incarceration, we certainly want to get you involved with this. If you are a citizen who has returned from prison and you're out there doing well, we want to hear about it because what we're going to do with this group is to hopefully train somewhere between 10 and 20 people in terms of an agenda that we're going to put together. And we're going to go out, we're going to talk to service groups, we're going to talk to church groups, we're going to talk to legislators, and we're going to try to address some of these issues and bring light to those so that we can affect change with that. So that's the intent of this. That is what this show is all about. And what we've been doing in the first seven shows is to bring different people from throughout the people who help us and support us. And we've talked to them. It's been kind of fun. And we're getting better at it, hopefully. Uh, Hopefully, I'm getting better as a host. And uh, we've got some exciting news on that front for for the future. We've got some housing people coming, and we've got some people to talk about Ban the Box. But this week also, too, Mr. Henry Atencio, who is the director of the Department of Corrections, has agreed to be on the show. So we'll have Henry on. And that's a real positive start. We can start with the guy at the top. And we can talk to some of the other people who have been influential to me and to other people who have given us, let's say, the credibility and the strength to come back from our incarceration. And we're going to try to identify some of those people and bring those in here, too. So that's absolutely a fantastic news. Uh, one of the things that I always want to keep in mind in terms of the way we approach this 
is um, to remember where we come from. I mean, this is a Christian radio station, and most of the people that you will see and hear on the show are, are have a strong Christian walk, and we're going to kind of address that on tape today. We're going to listen to a very good friend of mine. His name is Jim Atkins. Jim is um, the pastor of a church called Common Ground Biker Church, and we're going to take a little bit of his sermon from last week, actually, in which he mentions the struggles uh, in Romans about how uh, we, once we are forgiven and once we are Christians, going forward, have the strength to accomplish anything. I love this piece, and we're going to give him a little bit of leeway because he does these on YouTube, so I'm taking this from him. But he ends by calling it, he says, essentially, that we as Christians experience victory over sin, and that is the name of the show. And I told him after he did, I said, man, you said victory over sin three or four times in this sermon, and I'm going to borrow some of it. And he said that that would be absolutely okay to do. So without further ado, I'm going to mention my friend uh, Jim Atkins. Jim will put, be, a, be a guest on this show, too, at some point in the t- future. But you can always get to know him by going to YouTube and looking up Common Ground Biker Church, and you'll see his videos. They've been there for about four years, uh, four years worth of sermons. And in the church right now, we're going through Romans. And so this is Romans 6, I think, uh, 3 through 5. So with that, I'll let Mr. Atkins explain his interpretation of victory over sin. We don't have an excuse when we say something like, well, I know so-and-so lives uh, a more godly life than I do, but I just can't do any better. They, They can do that, but I can't. That's that's really a slap in the face to God Himself. Because you're saying you can't do something that God in His Word says you can do and it's expected of you. God is not going to uh, lead us or cause us or tell us to do anything that He does not give us the power to do. So, this is important for us to understand. So we see that this is talking about a present state that has been produced by a past event. So we're in the present state of being crucified. It was a past event. It happened when we accepted Christ. But it it happened then in its fullness. And that potential is, has been, and is in each one of us to live then this walk of life that is the walk of the Christian life. This ethical conduct that would be exemplary uh, of the Christian person's life. So, God has brought about uh, this about so that the body of sin might become, uh, become done away with. The unregenerate nature of the old Adam has been rendered inoperative. And we talked a lot a few weeks ago about what we got from Adam and then what the Christian has got or or the lost person can obtain uh, through Christ. So all the things that we got bad from Adam, as we come to Christ, that unregenerate nature, that sinful nature of Adam, that old man that we once were, that we got from Adam, it has been rendered inoperative. It has no more power over us as Christians. It's been rendered inoperative. You have been crucified to that. And so now we have this potential 
that we can begin to live that way by God's power. So the sinful self is destroyed for those who are in Christ. Now, it's a past event, but it is one that continues on through the Christian life. Now, this has been brought about by God so that the believer would no longer, the Scripture says, be slaves to sin. Believers don't have to give in to a life of sin. There, there's, there's not any one of us as Christians that can say, I have an excuse for this area that I'm living in my life, which is an area of the life of sin. I have an excuse. Something has happened to me. Uh, the parents I've had or the conditions of life that I've, uh, that I've been brought across. Something in me is saying, I, I can't overcome that. That is not biblical. It is not biblical. The believer is to be able to live a life of victory over sin. Some people got the real problems. Some people lot of love. Some people think I can solve them. I say this every week, but I'm going to say it one more time, man. It's the great thing about the show is I get to bring in people that I want to be on. And this is one of those days, man. I get to bring a friend of mine in. We're going to call him Jeff because he's still in the system. Uh, but I was, I did time with Mr. Jeff, and uh, he's a cool guy. And we were at Hope Community at Max together, weren't we? Amen. Yes, sir. Oh, yes, we were. And that was so cool. Now, you were a veteran. I am, let's see, I'm in my 60s, early 60s. Uh-huh. I've done 10 years incarceration since I was 30, but you've got a few more years than I do, right? Yeah, just a skosh. I got uh, going on 34 years in the system, yeah. on and off. On and off. And you have door. been released since, what, November? November 18th. November 18th. 2016. Yeah. We were really anticipating your return, and that's so cool. So was I. It's yeah. really strange. Yeah, and it was odd how you ended up here, right? You had different options, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, had, a lot of different, I had a lot of different options, but I had one major option, and... Uh, God seemed, uh, God has his plans. Jeff had his plans. That's exactly. God goes, nope, nope, nope. nope, nope. Sorry, son. That's right. That's right. And you ended up in Boise. I did, back in Boise. Yeah, that's, and we're so happy to have you here. That's too. From my standpoint, we've got this community, and Jeff has kind of come into this community with us and helped us. And uh, it's been very powerful what God has done for us. And then for Jeff to jump in and kind of do that has been great. Hmm. Thank you. I've, uh, it's been an interesting experience, but one you just can't sit back from. You have to either jump in or do it, or don't do it. And I think, too, I'm, uh, you become a veteran at watching people as they transition, and you just have the calmest, most serene kind of approach to this. You've done it so well. I'm so, I would say I'm proud of you, but I didn't have anything to do with it. I think it's God kind of thing. And I, I've been kind of, I was saying before we went on the air, I've been waiting for somebody like Jeff to come out, and so it's mm-hmm. kind of cool. Uh, I've been waiting for Jeff to get out, too. It's, it's really nice. But, uh, any credit that people want to bestow on me, they have to give it to God first because this is this, you know, I've been in and out five times, and this is the first time I've ever left the gates clean and sober. I used behind the walls in the community as well. And uh, now I'm clean. I'll have 11 years this February clean and sober. That's fantastic. And I think also, too, it's. Again, I can't say enough in terms of the calming voice you've been with 
because we've developed a community outside of some of us that were veterans in that same program, but we attract and we work with people uh, who are being released all the time because we all know different people in the system, so they kind of tend to float through uh, the Victor Overson meetings that we have on at Peer Wellness on Tuesday and Wednesday nights. And so the agency that I direct and that uh, Jeff helps with in terms of a volunteer basis, we really are there for that whole offender community, and it's really exciting to do that. So it is so nice to have you there and to be supportive, like I said. Well, thank you. It's been my pleasure. Yeah. One of the things that we deal with and um, that uh, is always difficult for people to talk about is you have that you're that gangster kind of guy in terms of a lot of stuff, but you also have one of those tags that makes life difficult for people who are on yeah, parole. It's yeah. a sex offense, yes. Yeah. And so that's always, I think, uh, the thing that is one of the most frustrating things for me as a Christian and for me as a person on parole is that you say that word in a group of people and suddenly the the tone changes. And uh, we were talking before we went on the air that I argue that a lot of people who do have that label, quote-unquote, they keep it in their minds much more than, say, I keep in my mind in terms of, I mean, I did a robbery, but I never get up in the morning and think about it. And I think a lot of people who are on the registry think about that almost daily in terms of, I could be wrong about that, but it's a dominant force in their brain. And so it affects their behavior. It affects how they carry themselves. And in lieu of that, and being it, and so many of those people that I'm thinking about are Christians too. And it's hard for me to get my head wrapped around the fact that they can't quite forgive themselves and just go forward and be that. And again, we were saying before we were in the air, Jeff is the closest to doing that. You really are. And I mean that in a very, very positive way. It's a, uh, a, a stigma like we were talking about. It's mm-hmm. uh, shame-based, fear-based. You're ashamed of your past and you're also afraid of the perception, anything you do, any step you take. Mm-hmm. No, man, if you're a Christian, and you are truly saved, mm-hmm. and you believe that Christ forgave you for your sins, mm-hmm. and it's just an absolute waste of time to let the past keep dragging you down. Because I personally believe that's just the devil beating you down and not wanting you to grow spiritually and get exactly. closer to the Lord and exactly. do the work. Exactly. I see that so much. And, and uh, it is, number one, it's difficult for people who are on parole to deal with all the issues on parole, but it is it is doubly different for people to have this extra because of the extra classes and the tags, and then this, and then an, almost an self-imposed uh, restriction on your own brain. And to me, being a Christian kind of alleviates that. Uh, I, I tell people as I as I go out that uh, anybody that, that I even say the person who pours my coffee, the barista that pours my coffee every morning, knows that I'm a returning citizen knows that I've been sober since uh, May 20th, 2004, and, and knows that I'm a Christian. And that's that's what they know about me. I live that life that way. I do that through social media, through everything we do. Yet it's so hard for some of our peers and our associates, people we love and care for, to kind of drop that quote-unquote stigma and kind of go forward it. And you want to be able to reach out and help them. But I'm not so sure it's them that we need to help. I think what we do is we do it through this type of situation where we say, hey, Idaho, you know, these guys are out here. They're your neighbors. And you know what? You'd see Jeff or you'd see anybody else. You would have no idea about that. And it's all and, – and they're just normal folk. You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You're going to find not just me but all felons, not just yeah. sex offenders, drugs. Yeah. crimes, crimes against property, crimes against people. 
if a person's turned their life around, myself turning to Christ, because I couldn't do I couldn't do it. Right. Christ did it. So I'm the cat who's going to go out there and go, if I see you with your hood up on the side of the road and your light's flashing and it's cold outside, I'm that cat that's going to pull over, give you a jump, or Stop. lock your car up and drive you to the nearest station or wherever. Exactly. Exactly. And again, uh, former director Kemp used to say 97% of the people out there in the desert are going to get out. And so Idaho, you need to be aware of that. And uh, you also need to understand that we need to welcome them back in the community as smoothly and as appropriately as possible. And the the group that function that pays for this radio show, Systemic Change of Idaho, that's the effort that we're attempting to do is to educate people in Idaho about how we're doing that. So you you're hearing more about that as uh, the show develops, and uh, we're excited about that. But you, that's our mission, if you will. But even more so, I think when we get a chance to talk to people like Jeff and talk about the real stories, that's real powerful. And so I thank you so much for coming in and doing that. Tell me about the struggles of the first uh, couple months, maybe. Well, the first couple months, you're not prepared when you leave. You're not prepared for the community. You don't have the resources available to you. You have people like Hope Community who are there to help you, those kind of resources. But there's struggles that you're not aware of, you're not told about in the institutions like Social Security cards, things yeah. like you cannot get a job without Social Security card. And you used to be, you used to be able to use your prison ID to get these things. Yeah. Well, you can't do it. Homeland Security says no, absolutely not. So then you have to wait another two to four weeks once you have the funds to get a state ID, mm-hmm. and then another four weeks after that to get a Social Security card. So then you're, unless you have family support, yeah. you have absolutely no way to support yourself. And that's where the struggle begins. Mm-hmm. I think people in the community don't realize that uh, Jeff was lucky in terms of having a community come around and wrap around him, and not everybody does. Uh, we get calls all the time from either either people in the prison, counselors in the prison who are getting to pick this person up, um, where are they going to go, where are they going to live? And so many of our associates say, well, I'm just going to top this time, I'll walk out, I'm going to do this. And they have absolutely no idea about what that transition is going to be like and where they're going to live and P&P is on here and health and welfare is here and da-da-da, how do I get here? And then suddenly that bravado that was on the tier with us, is sure. it's really diminished. Well, yeah, and It's humbling, I guess. Well, it's uh, you have so much pride saying that, well, I only got a year, two years at top. I'm going to top my sentence Dumb out. Sentence, yeah. Yet when you do top your sentence out, you get out the same situation where you had no support, no nothing to help you at all. But now you have even less than nothing because you don't have your parole, parole officer. officer. You don't have Department of Corrections pointing you in a direction. Granted, you get frustrated with that because there's a lot of red tape. You don't have things like the different shelters or, or, you know, or you're basically living on the street or living at maybe at the rescue mission or something like that. And if you don't have that, man, the frustration builds up and you're comfortable. I'm comfortable living that lifestyle in the past, that memory is like an old pair of boots. When things are frustrating, yeah. you just want to put those war boots on. Oh, this is all oh, I remember being That's this right. jerk. Yeah. Well, and I think you've even seen too how uh, in the time that you've been out, and you've been out a few times, but 
the time this time you've been out where the frustration gets to people where they're just saying you know this this is this was easier back there man i just i don't want to play this game and i mean you're looking at certainly the weather we've had for the past couple months and the <laughs> snow's coming down and that you know the guys are saying oh i got some bike and i don't have a job and wow and to rationalize and to want to blame somebody else this is really where they need that relationship with Jesus Christ to go Absolutely. forward. And so many of the guys that are getting out either will say they want that or they say they believe that, but don't really have it. And so that's when we really need to gather around and try to huddle up as much as we can the people we care for and people that at least are interested and bring them along board with this. Well, show them there's a better way. Absolutely. Jesus is the way. If you yeah. do not choose, and I'm speaking from my own experience, if I, when I did not choose Christ, when I turned and ran away to that comfortable drug use, the yeah. sex, the violence, because that was comfortable with the person that I was, once you get saved, then is what I'm doing right now bringing me closer to or farther away from what it says important. And if Christ is what's most important to me in the world, everything, every step I'm taking has a chain reaction toward Christ. Mm-hmm. And when I get out of line of that, when I get out of step, off kilter, whatever you want to say, I notice things immediately. Go, Uh-oh, then I, it's prayer time. Going, yeah. Okay, Lord, this is where I'm at. I'm, please forgive me. Guide me because I need help because Jeff's way really didn't work in the That's past. Right. Well, and I think, too, you see so many different people that we interact with, and they think, well, I'm going to do it, or they head down this line, or they get involved with that relationship, or they think they use just a little bit, or whatever, and it's just like, it is It is just a very, very slippery slope, and we lose them when it starts going down that way, so it's, it becomes, yeah, it's just so perilous, so, we're, mm-hmm. yeah. When you have that, uh, it's especially even worse when you have the uh, sex offender label attachment to yeah. your, your your name, your your life, and that you're worried about everybody's perception instead of just stepping out in faith. Yeah. Do what Christ wants you to do. If you, if when when I just shut up and listen mm-hmm. and feel with my heart and pray, talk to God, I and I talk, I have conversations with him. I'm just going, hey, you know what, Lord. <sighs> Man, I've gotten in the way again. Things ain't working out. Yeah. What, what do I got to do now? And I just talk and I ramble, and I just feel so much better. Mm. I just uh, thank you so much. I, I mean, I could. Uh, I've been waiting for years for somebody to sit here and tell me that because it's just, it, it is. That's what I believe, and I can't. Again, so many times I'll say that with. Uh, somehow, I, somehow it's easier to say it with somebody that's not a believer, but it, it's very difficult to say to somebody that you really care for, that you know that has that sex offender thing, just to, hey, you're supposed to believe what I believe, right? So why are you still holding that around kind of thing? Why is that still in your brain? Yet we do know that there are friends of ours who's, who are associated with and there are churches who we know, okay, uh-huh. who say... Yeah, we love you, we love you, we love you, but don't come here, okay? And we love you, we love you, we love you, but don't come here. And the the friends of ours who you think are the greatest uh, Christians in the world, and you'll say that word out, and then the tone changes. And it's like, I'm disappointed in you when I saw that tone change, when I saw that reaction. The heaviness in the Yes. What did you, what's that, you know? I thought you were something, and then, yeah, I just said that, and... 
how dare you judge these people when it's well, like take having a, a sex offense is a, yeah. is, is a cold and you're going to catch that cold. That's right. I'm a, so, you know what? It, with, we were talking earlier that the stigma attached oh, to general. people with all kinds of crimes, but especially a sex offender. Yet I break it down to the parable about, you know, it's even better than that when the, the Pharisees brought the woman caught in the very act of adultery. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. And whoever's without sin, please cast the first stone, right? Well, I like to think because you see that, you know, the Bible, the Word of God, the Word of God says that Jesus bent down, started writing in the sand. And I always like to think, what did he write? And all of a sudden, it's like something in my mind just goes, and whether the, and it's probably not true at all. This is just how my mind goes. It's just that Jesus was writing, if you caught this woman in the very act of adultery, well, where's the man? Yeah, that was Why true. do you true, single true, out true. one person? Right, where's the man? And maybe, and I don't, I don't feel this stigma because, well, I'm washed in the blood. I'm right. saved. Everything from the past is forgiven. I am a new creation in God, in yep. Christ, yep. in the Holy Spirit. Fantastic. And everybody else wants to pick up the stone. Throw the stone. I'm a pretty big guy. <laughs> Throw the stone. And I, for me, too, it's like those people, again, sometimes I'll catch myself. They'll react that way. And I'm thinking, why are you reacting that way when I'm pretty good at discernment? I can see all the problems you got in your life. You know, have you done, if you thought about this, 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 and this in my mind, that's what I'm right. thinking. How are you, who are you to judge based on when you say you believe in the in there with the stuff you're carrying around, obvious, that's obvious to me. Sure. And that you haven't faced in your own life, and yet you would change your tone, your mannerism, because I said that word. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is an interesting dynamic. And um, Idaho, let me tell you, it is an issue that we need to address because people who are in this situation who are being released, statistics say 26%, but we think it's probably better. There are people out there who have that tag who are coming out. Hey, you know what? They're going to be here, and we've got to deal with it. And I think the people who are, those of us who are in that Christian community, we need to lead that voice to change that direction and mm-hmm. to challenge people to say, this is what you believe? Come yeah. on, if man. If we're the body of Christ. If, if we're we the body are the of Christ, Christ, come on, man. What is that? Why aren't our arms reaching out to people? That's Why? right. That's right. I had a, actually had a pastor that I can't name, but you know where I go to church, and so it's like, and he said, hey, we'll just let that guy go over there, you know? And I was like, what? Well, you what a blessing what? for those people over there. Exactly. Man. But but you're a pastor of a major church. God, what are, did that really just come out of your mouth, you know? And so, but uh, again, we get back to what we're attempting to do is systemic, is to change that direction of people. And my role in that man's life just must be to hang around so that I just thump him on the head sometimes and say, you know, it's not that way. We've got to figure it out. And so that's one of God's little kind of blessings for us. Absolutely. So directions for you. Do we get a job? We got a job and we're moving forward. And a job moving forward. It's a six, seven hour night job. Finally, after almost two months of not working. And you know, that's hard for you too, man. I'm a worker. You know me when we were locked up in the joint is in the joint, in the joint, (laughs) incarcerated. Forgive me. And he was the chef extraordinary (laughs) at Max. He was the chef and cook or main cook. One of the things that I personally have to watch out for is getting caught up in everybody else's perception. I know what I am in Christ and that grows every day. So motivated 
do what's right, do what I'm supposed to do. Don't let these attachments, labels, stigmas just hold you down. Yep, yep, yep. Well, what and directions too? We're looking to. Um, you really would like to get back into the restaurant business. Uh, I would. Would, you, would, would you? I, I, of course, I would. You know, but in there's, there's a lot. Let's be real. There's a lot of drug problems in most restaurants. You know, spoken about or unspoken about. I've lived it most of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about going to get a CDL, and uh, just driving locally mm-hmm. and, and working. I'm a grandpa now. Yeah. I watched my kids grow up in pictures. Now. I get to be able to be a grandpa and not watch my grandchildren grow up breaking the chain. Well, again, I Jeff, uh, you're my friend, and doing this was not easy for you, I know, and coming in was not. You didn't know what we were going to do this morning, and I, I, I so appreciate that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I care for you and I love you. And I, 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 really, I really, this is really cool, and um, I mean this from the, the depths of my heart. It was so, I'm happy you're back out, and I'm happy you're helping us, and uh um, I think it's going to be a very positive thing for us in the coming years. So I'm excited about that. Absolutely. So, Jeff, thank you so much. And um, anything we can do for you, let us know. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. When the road gets dark And you can no longer see that's, uh, that's it for a Saturday afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to this, doing this every Saturday afternoon at 12 o'clock, 12, actually 1230 in the afternoon. If you need information about Systemic Change of Idaho, give us a call at 208-477-1006. Thank you so much. We'll see you next Saturday.